Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. Uh, we're doing another wonderful interview segment, and we have, uh, for the first time on the show, a children's author, which is great. I've been trying to do that for a while. Uh, Jasmine the Jamian. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about her. Uh, she uh, uh, was born in Armenia. Uh, she speaks a number of languages. She has a, a degree in psychology, uh, lives out there in, in Texas, has got a, a beautiful young daughter, and she wrote a book, A Time to Sleep which I really like the title because I like simple titles with good kid books. I hate when they have titles that are like three sentences long. I'm like, who's going to remember that? So let's welcome uh, uh, Jasmine and Jamie into the show. Uh, uh, Jasmine, thank you very much for coming on board. Hi. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me. This is a great honor. Yes, and I'm excited to uh, talk about this uh, children's book because my writing journey didn't just begin uh, with writing children's book or writing in general because writing uh, I started writing when I was in studying psychology because for some reason I wasn't able to make art anymore and I have a degree in art and art was a, a, another way of self-expression and I would always put out uh, images instead of words on a paper and then when I was studying psychology and uh, in the evenings mostly I just couldn't see pictures, but the words were coming out. So I just started scrubbing these words and make them into poems. And then for after graduation, I forgot all about it. And then recently I discovered my book where I was writing. And then I started doing it again. And several of them were uh, children's poems about love, about uh, different ones. But I started writing children's poetry when my daughter was born. And when we were trying to play with her, different games, it would just come up as a rhyme. So, and we both liked it. And I started writing them down not to lose it because I'm sure I wouldn't remember what I just made up on the go. And then several years after that, I decided to actually illustrate one of them, which was this particular book, Time to Sleep. And uh, that made me very motivated, and I'm excited to continue this journey because I see the feedback. I see how much my daughter is proud of it, and um, I'm looking forward to create more and more. It's becoming pretty common now for writers to start introducing family members to what they're doing. I, I got a guy. I'm, I'm hoping we're going to uh -huh. do an interview soon. He's a publisher, and he has his children actually making little books of uh -huh. writing and, and putting them to get together. And he puts pictures on the internet about that on Facebook. So I think it's pretty neat to do. And I think more people are doing that now so that it becomes uh, not just a, a family adventure, but mm -hmm. it, become, it becomes something normal. Because if you remember, a lot of past writers, uh, they often kept their family away from what they were doing and never really involved them in anything. You know, they were in some back room somewhere in the house, you know, just typing away and, Nobody can come come near them, and a lot of times the kid didn't even know what the father was doing for like twenty years later. 
Oh, that's right. what he was doing. <laughs> so um, thankfully, we're doing more to to introduce people uh -huh. and, and to get them more involved because I really think that's a healthy way for the writer and for the family. Yeah, if I can confess, actually, that's how I started because no, none of my family members knew that I was writing um, because it was just like a diary. I, I, my poetry came up like my feelings and I was logging them into this little book I had. And then one time it just came to me in the middle of uh, a family gathering and I just started quickly writing it on a piece of paper and my mom walking by, she saw me writing and she goes, what are you doing? I was like, oh, nothing, just, just writing. And then she started reading what I've been writing and her eyes went like, well, did you write this? I was like, yes. And then after that, I actually opened up and I showed her more of my works and she she just was very surprised by this because she never ex she never saw me as a person who would ever use words to paint a picture basically if I can say it this way because I was always drawing and painting and sketching and um, but I think my way of expressing myself uh, took on a different turn and I started using a pen instead of a brush and um, now I'm combining the two. So I think it's a terrific combination, and I'm very glad to share it with my family because, honestly, I couldn't have done this without their support, without them believing in me. And I agree. It's a, it's a big factor in, in our own creative process if we can have a family that can be supportive because you can invite them. It doesn't mean they want to come along. And some people I interview or talk to privately, it's not always the case. Usually it's an adversarial relationship, so you're very fortunate that way. But it, it does answer mm -hmm. one of the questions I had because I'm like, well, um, okay, she's a writer, but how, how the heck is she illustrating this? Because a lot of times writers are not very good in art. I mean, I don't even think I could do a stick figure. That's how bad I am. So now I understand why you were able to do that because you started off as an artist. It makes sense. Uh -huh. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It may sound a little bit odd, but I was not very brave start in starting to illustrate this poem because it was a long time when I last time actually drew a picture. And then I just started it and it, it heated off, you know. <laughs> when it, you just pick up something that you dropped off a long time ago and you feel that you did not forget a skill, it makes you feel a lot better and braver, I would say. Yeah, that, so. make, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. It, it's, it's always good to hear from writers or just, you know, people who are just in, in, in any kind of artistic field, you know, how they came about things and, and, and where they are now. Because uh, you, we, we all find that it's not just uh, the different walks of life that, that we travel to get to writing. Uh, it's sometimes it, it's a, a, a strange way of, of writing, refinding us, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, it is true. And I think it is very... Um... I can you can say it, it's both ways. It's very introspective, the writing, and also um, besides you're putting your soul out there on a paper in most occasions, you also just um, depict what you see and how you see things. And uh, to deliver it to other people who are interested in learning or seeing your inner world is a different step, I think, to make throughout the life. And, and, I, and I definitely uh, uh, agree. That's why it's good for other people to hear this, whether they are, they're writers themselves who listen or, or just uh, 
you know, your regular listener because they'll find some of the humanity that connects people to the material and what they're trying to do. Because people are always curious about, well, why did they do a, a children's book? Why didn't they do a book about, you know, Armenia or, or, or about mm. an earthquake or about a spaceship? You know, why that? Mm -hmm. and, and then they'll, they'll, they'll see why. And, and sometimes it makes the bigger story more interesting for, for why someone put together a, a book. Because, you know, it's a labor and, and sometimes it's a labor of love. Yes, it is a labor of love. And honestly, I probably never would understand how other writers or authors feel. But when I actually produced it and it was already uh, in print and I received the first copy, I was holding it in my hands. It felt like a baby, honestly. It's like your creation. It's your child. You, you gave time to this. You developed it. And it became your product. No, no, no doubt about that. And I liked definitely hearing about this because it really, it really tells us something about that that person too, and that's putting it together. You know, you have you have to be a certain person, uh, particularly if you want to write a, a children's book, because I, I don't really think it's possible to uh, to write a book like that if you don't have some real connection with children. You don't really have some understanding of how they think and how they might communicate because it has to be read to a child and they have to understand you know mm -hmm. your story so i would think that in many ways it would be harder i never tried it before because i'm like i'm not really sure how i think like a child but uh <laughs> i think you would have to you have to do that so it takes a, an additional skill that that i don't have i have two children but <laughs> I, I don't know what they're thinking half the times i just i just try to you know do my best with them and then you know run away <laughs> yeah, I love I love children. I all my life, honestly, it just feels like everything I've done, it led me to children and towards children because all the jobs I had were connected with them. And I didn't plan it that way. Just, you know, opportunities were open in those areas and I took them and I loved them. So, yeah, I don't know. It's some connection. As you said, it's a connection and I'm glad I have it. Well, I'm glad you do, too, because if they were counting on me, there'd be no children books. <laughs> <laughs> I would just be on the Facebook. Yeah, here they, this is what they look like. They're taking, they're, taking, they're taking all my money, and they're making my hair gray. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> yes. It's, there's this little ad. Well, it's a joke meme. It says iPad, iPod, and for the dad, it says I paid. It's like something like that, I guess. <laughs> I like that. It's it's true though. It it really is. So tell us, uh, uh you know, you don't have to give up everything and and give away the whole story. But uh -huh. g generally, what what uh, what is time to sleep about? Is it about trying to get to sleep, or is it something else? Uh, well, it, it's like a little lullaby poem. And if you would like, I would read it for you and the audience. It's um, it's about how the end of the day is near and everybody, all the animals are getting ready to sleep and their moms and parents are waiting for them to come home and finish their day and cuddle and snuggle and all that stuff. All that comes with it. All right, I like that. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I like that a lot. Have you already tried to, um, to read it to your, to your daughter to see how she reacts? Yes, she loved it. And uh, she, one time she was having a play date and I saw her reading this book to her friend and it brought tears, happy tears to my eyes because I saw the pride in her eyes and I saw how 
special she feels to share something that I actually created for her originally with her friend. So um, that was a beautiful moment I I was able to see, you know. And the poem originally was written in Armenian, so I had no intention of pub, um, publishing it. It was just something between us, you know, as gotcha. a play. Mm-hmm. And then when my family saw it and they read it, and every and when I started especially illustrating, everybody was like, "You have to publish this." And don't just let it on the shelf and don't let it get dusty and stuff like that. And I said, "Why not? Let's do it." And then the, the English translation it was a very fast. Uh, quickly done work and my dear friend Megan she helped me with this and we really quickly did it overnight and um yeah there we have it it's a beautiful little poem and if you would like I can read it for you it's um nine um couplets and I can read a section or a few so we have a little bunny and then we have a little duck and a mouse and a horse and a B, a dog, cat, and then a little baby. So those are little poems. Would you like the full uh, version or you would like a few no, that, of them? No, that, that, that is up to you what you feel most comfortable with. But I'm definitely ready to hear it because we've never had any kind of children's poem on the show before. Oh. So it's a, great, <laughs> it's a great thing. Okay, then I will start uh, right now. It starts with the bunny, and it's uh, here it goes. A fluffy bunny, stop the day's roam, leave the meadow and run home. Tomorrow will be a splendid day. There will be so much time to play. Little gosling, waddle your toes, hurry home to Mother Goose. Slip in slumber, sweet and deep, a brand new day is close. The sun is slowly setting, all mice will soon be sleeping. Little mouse, hurry home. See, your mom is waiting. Baby fall, it's time to go. Your mom has made your bed of straw. She'll tuck you in, she'll hug you tight. She'll kiss and whisper you goodnight. You hard-working busy bee, take a little break. Sleep restfully in your hive until you awake. Little puppy, playful paw, leave your happy, cheerful game. Quickly come home to your mom. She will guard your every dream. Cuddly kitty, turn your gaze to your mother cat's embrace. Huddle close, and there you lie. Let her purr a lullaby. The moon is smiling at us. The stars are softly shining. Sleep peacefully in my arms, my little one, my darling. And this was uh, the end. Yeah. So this is my little creation. Yeah, I, I really, I really like it. it. It's just amazing how um, we all light up uh, about different animals and and how they relate to, to children more than, you know, you normally would think about it. And you watch a, a TV show, so because you know it's about a child, and you know they have such wonder and imagination. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have to imagine because I was joking to myself. I'm like, I got to imagine that there's a, an advantage to the children writing because if you can read it to your child and your child really likes it, then you know you might have something there and you can possibly go on to, to publish it because, you know, children are brutally honest. You know, it's not, yeah. like, it's not like reading a book to your uncle and he's just like, <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, I like it. Now go get me a sandwich. You know, the kids are not going to do that. If they don't like it, they're like, hey, I don't like it. And, you know, you got to fix it. So, I mean, they're, they're probably a very good uh, audience for that sort of thing. Did, did she react very well to it? Yes, yes, very much so. 
And well, she was uh, about, I think, two or three when I wrote this poem. And then when we took it out of the drawer, she was happy to hear it again. And when I gave her the copy, she just felt so special. You could see the sparkles in her eyes and all pride that it was dedicated to her because she was the inspiration for it. Yes, this is our little special thing, you know. Well, I think it's pretty fantastic. I, I, I really do. And I wish more people would, would, would do this sort of thing uh, because I, I really believe that, that, that children need uh, more uh, literature in, in their lives. And, and it's continued to be shown that the more mm -hmm. you can expose a, a, a young child to reading on all kinds of different levels, uh, the better they're going to be at school. And as you know, the better in the school these days, the better you have a chance to, you know, uh, yes. having, uh, having a life, you know, beyond McDonald's, you know. Exactly. I agree. Yes. So I I think it, it might just start uh -huh. out at the children's book. You know, you just never know that 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 might be it right there. Right. Oh, thank you. Yes. And I think it just, um, you know, it increases their imagination, just transfers them to another um, world. I've read somewhere this phrase, I can't remember who said it though, but it says reading is like traveling, but you don't have to move from where you are. So. That it is because you, you, you're traveling through your heart and your soul and, uh -huh. and sometimes your mind. And maybe there's even a, a spiritual dimension to, you know, to children's writing because they have, they have so many, uh, I feel perceptions that sometimes as an adult, we, we lose. Mm. Yes, that is true. And I think because they're a lot more brave than we are. <laughs> That's probably true, too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because they just they just able to go beyond what we are preventing ourselves to go. I, I read a story one time and I, I just I, I found it uh, unusual and, and maybe even a bit shocking, but it, it definitely uh, illustrates the point. Mm -hmm. um, we had a, a, a Jewish man and a Palestinian woman, and they began, began arguing at, um, at a checkpoint uh, between uh, uh, towns in, in, in Israel. And mm -hmm. as they're arguing, the, their children that were in the cars at this checkpoint got out, and they started playing together outside of the checkpoint. So while they're yelling and screaming and cursing each other, the kids who don't care about any of that nonsense <laughs> are having a good time. So sometimes we, we might need to... Instead of like uh, lead them, maybe they need to lead us sometimes. Yes, I absolutely agree because how many uh, times we have heard from teachers, from other parents, and I can confirm this myself that I have learned a lot from my daughter. I've learned to see things differently, to think a little differently. I believe with an age, some, some uh, level of rigidity comes to our mind and Children are so much more flexible. And I don't know, just seeing that a child can react to a circumstance a lot more understanding and easily and come out of it easier. It just gives us hope that we just have to be like children. And it gives us hope that not everything is as difficult as we think it is. Yeah, exactly. So. They, they they seem to have a a better perception on, on things, and I I definitely think we need to explore more of that and, and try to learn from it. I was listening to this paranormal person, mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And I might have someone like that on the show one day, especially if they could talk about the literature of that and some of the things they discovered. It could be interesting. But they, oh, yes. were, they, they were mentioning that, that they, uh, from their experiences, they, they've met children that uh, were able to see uh, see spirits and ghosts and, and make more of a paranormal contact than an adult just because uh, children are a little bit more attuned to that world. Yes, that's uh, it's funny you said this because um, a long time ago we uh, I was having a conversation with the priest in, our, in my church and um, he said the same thing. He said when children are... Uh, a, a lot younger, they can hear the angels. And when we become older, we just don't because we it frightens us. Like it frightens us to understand that there's another dimension of um, a life, or, or I don't know something. Because and he also said those who are pure in heart are able to see and hear these. I don't know. I don't know. And <laughs> maybe maybe it's just. People when they go up, they they lose, they lose faith. I mean, in a lot of that's, things. I mean, cause you, if you think about it, yeah, I mean, we tell the children certain things just because we want them to to obtain certain values from them. But many times, we're not exactly being honest. I mean, it, it, it sucks when you find out that there's not an Easter Bunny and that the Santa Claus is not really <laughs> around, you know, and all that stuff. So when those things go out the window. It's kind of hard for a child to suddenly believe in God and, and angels and stuff like that because all the other things in their life, it turns out, will be a lie. Right. Yeah, that's true. And honestly, we actually, um, before she would be at that age to realize that these things aren't real, we decided uh, with my husband to tell her the truth. Actually, not tell her the truth, but raise her with the truth and instead of just giving her this entire big story about Santa Claus, the man in red costume with the fur and you know, staying reindeer, we just told her the true story of Saint Nicholas and how and why it is what it is today and so now we call Santa or people who walk around and we take pictures with Saint Nicholas's helpers because they are delivering a mission. It's not always the case unfortunately but that's how she knows Santa Claus as a Saint Nicholas, a great humanitarian who was making children's days bearable and better during special, uh, especially during Christmas. And what, uh, what comes with Easter Bunny, Easter Bunny is a new to me too, because growing up in, in Armenia, we did not have an Easter Bunny and Easter um, was a, just only and only a, a church holiday. And that's how we spent it. And in fact, we had this, this uh, egg fights. That was the thing. I think I believe Greeks also do this. And um, there was not Easter Bunny, but there were egg fights and um, ra uh, pilaf, rice pilaf with raisins on top. It was my little childhood images that I still carry with me. And we try to pass it on in our family as we grow together. <laughs> I, I, I like that. I'm not really sure. Because I'm not trying to mock all of this Easter Bunny and Santa Claus stuff, but mm -hmm. I just wonder if it has an impact that maybe is not always positive. I'm not sure if I know the answer, but I wonder if we need to figure out some happy medium between, you know, explaining the tale of uh, of Saint Nick and, and all of that versus just keep telling people that you know magical gifts are you know right. being put <laughs> under the tree and then you know he's he's leaving the roof with a bunch of reindeer and they all got funny names and. One has a red nose, and I don't know. It, 
I, I wonder if maybe we do more damage than, than we than we realize. I don't know. I can't really say it is it is a not an easy topic actually to give an answer to, but it's just a, probably cultural because I did not grow up with all of these. And in fact, in Armenia, we do celebrate Christmas as a church holiday again. And for us, Santa Claus comes for New Year's because he brings gifts gifts that you need for New Year's. And usually it's something like a new backpack, a new pair of clothes, uh, shoes, or uh, I don't know, anything, anything that you can benefit in using during the new year. So we try to incorporate all of these goods taken from um, all of these traditions and make our own in our family. And we actually uh, came up with this um, idea on the St. Nicholas's Feast Day. So my daughter is writing a letter to him. So and we play this thing out and then he writes back to her and there's this little riddle in there and we have the gifts under uh, under the tree at that time uh, after the letter has been delivered it's like the game we play and in the letter from Saint Nicholas it says if you are able to find this Christmas ornament and we always hide it somewhere in the house you're uh, you can open one of your gifts before Christmas time. So now she's working hard during this week or two, it depends when the holiday is, to find this one gift to open. And it just becomes more of a fun and uh, more educational because we again read the uh, story of St. Nicholas and how he's done and who he was. And it just recreates that time and then we incorporate with the meaning of, true meaning of Christmas with this game we play. I don't know. It's been it's been pretty good in our family. It's working for three years now. We've been doing this and uh, our daughter is looking forward to this little tradition we created ourselves. Yeah, that's nice. It is nice to, 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 to create something new that maybe can can help them um, have a, a, a stronger understanding of maybe their culture, the world and and possibly just in, in, into keeping some of that some of that faith and the hope i mean that's mm -hmm. really what i'm trying to get to is i wonder how we can mm. do i wonder how we could do something for children to, to keep some of that as they grow up so they don't lose all of it yes that's true yes maybe maybe we should become ch children to see what we really need and then this way we can understand what they need i need candy <laughs> whether i'm a child or an adult so it just might not work out for me <laughs> well i guess I guess you've got a lot of stocking stuffers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, give me candy now. <laughs> yes. With, yes. And it used to be, that's what used to be the gifts, though, back in the days, right? Little uh, raisin or dry fruit or apple, putting your stockings for the kids to come and find. All the exotic fruit. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, me, 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 me too. And it's still, um, still part of what I do with the with the kids but I, I had a strange christmas last year because that was the first time that they neither one of my children were eager to see santa claus they just didn't want to go oh they interesting didn't, they didn't express that they didn't believe him anymore they just didn't want to go they didn't want to take a picture they just didn't want to do it um, so that was the first time we just never went to do it usually we get one every year and then we just we just stopped doing that because they just wasn't interested i guess it's a part of growing up yeah they're and getting that... older but still i mean <laughs> Now you I, have to start creating your own tradition, I guess. Yeah, I got to still tell them he doesn't exist. So I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> well, good luck then. It's I don't know. It's a hard thing to break it uh, out for them. Yeah, to I, them. I, I think I could do the birds and bees a lot easier than tell them there's no Santa Claus. So. 
Uh, oh, I think, boy. you know, that's probably the reason why we decided to just start with a story and explanation how the tradition of Santa Claus came uh, upon us during this holiday season. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I'm, I'm definitely uh, glad to talk about some of these topics. We don't often get to do that on, on the show, and so it really relates to, to, to the book writing it into literature. And, and, and that's what I like about the show, because it can go on to some other things that we normally don't get a chance to talk about. Um, you were mentioning in, in the uh, um, your biography that you had some other forms of writing. So are you doing other things besides the children's book? Yeah, yes. Uh, I, As I said before, I started with uh, adult poetry, but it was more... Um like form of self-expression but after that um when i started writing the children's poetry my husband encouraged me to look into uh, different genres and i started writing a novel so it's almost almost finished and it is an adult novel and um yeah i'm looking forward to publishing that too i hope i hope soon what what kind of a, a novel is it well, it, it is a uh, well. I don't want to label it with certain, uh, you know. Uh, how do I say this? I don't want to give it a label if it's psychological. It's not a thriller for sure. It's more of a psychological romance drama. But I would rather the reader to label it as what it is. But it's just an experience of two people trying to um, step forward from what's holding them back. And uh, I will, I don't know, I hope I will deliver what I want to say well, in this book. I, I, I like that a lot. Um, but just keep this in mind because I, I had somebody else uh-huh. with, with a similar situation where they had a book that, that's sort of like a combination of different genres. Uh-huh. One, one of the first things besides uh, answering what kind of marketing plan you would have for the book, because that's a, that's a part of things now. You have to be a big, right. part, big, big part of that is – they're going to want to know what category it's going to be in because they expect you to have an answer for that, even if you don't think it fits into anything. Because I know her, hers was like part romance and part thriller, part mystery, part speculative uh, fiction. Yeah, so give that some, <laughs> give that some thought because you really yeah. you really can't tell it to a publisher. Well, I, I'm not really sure what genre it is, so I'm going to give it to you and you could figure it out because they don't want to hear that. They they expect you to already have the answer because. <laughs> For them, that's how they're going to market and, and yeah, put that it someplace. Makes sense. So well, to, I guess try I to come up with something, you know. Uh-huh. I would. I guess I would say it's more of a romance then, because I mean, which, which romance does not involve drama, and which drama does not involve psychology? You know what I mean? So yeah, you just have to come up with something beyond the romance, because otherwise they'll just think it's a classic romance. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, maybe... <laughs> maybe uh, we should come up with a brand yeah. new genre. Yeah, you might have to. And that's not a bad idea to come up with your own and tell them because uh-huh. because any answer is better than no answer when it comes to stuff like that. Because remember, you're asking them to invest their time and money in with you, so they expect you to have some kind of answer. That's true. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that valuable advice. No, this, this I, I, I always ask people... Because a lot of times writers, they're like, I don't want to get pigeonholed. And and, <laughs> and I remind them, I said, listen, I agree with you. I'm a writer, okay? But you have to learn to think a little bit beyond where you're at and think about how the publisher is. The publisher is figuring, wants to figure out, well, where do I put this book that maybe has a chance to actually sell and get my money back and more? So they have to 
in a way, find a pigeonhole for it. Because if they don't, they don't even know where to put it at. And if they don't know where to put it at, where do hmm. you, you think it's going to go? In, That's true. In, in, the yes. do, in the dollar store. That's probably where No, we don't want that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> So just, just think of that. Even if you got to come up with your own category, that's fine. You know what I mean? Modern, yes. modern romance. Uh, you know, skeptical romance. You know, thriller romance. Uh, you know, psycho. I, I like psychological romance. That sounds cool. You know. It does. It does. It actually yeah. does. Yeah, because yeah, it, it doesn't sound too. Stuff. It doesn't sound too romantic. Like you know, it's all they're talking about is flowers and candy and and going to Paris. You know, uh-huh. That means there's more life going on too. But. Yeah, if you just, I, I think you have to combine a couple of genres just just so make it more accurate, but also it gives them an idea uh, of how they want to market it and where they may be able to put it at. Because if you think about it, and mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't read your book yet, but it's obvious to me that a book like that can't go next to a book that has a guy with no shirt on and he's kissing like 16 women and they're all flying to Paris. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It, it, it's, yes. not, it's not in the same I, category. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, you want it to be in some other place that it could stand on its own, but you're not running away from what it is. You're just trying to tell the reader, yeah, there's some romance in there. There's some psychological mystery. Maybe there's some drama. You know, there's some dysfunction, whatever. But there are all things in there. That that make this book is it's not one one way of looking at it or, or another. Just why at least they they kind of know what to expect. Maybe it even makes them more interested. Right. Yes, I agree. I absolutely agree. And thank you. Oh, not not a problem. I always give a little bit of advice here and there whenever I whenever I can from things I pick up and you know and all that. But there's so many different ways now that um mm-hmm. that people um have to come up with with different ideas. You know. I mean, they're actually um, they're actually branching off in science fiction to where you have like different groups of science fiction. You have the science fiction now that's that's more space science science fiction, and then you mm-hmm, have other science mm-hmm. fiction that's about a culture or a planet, and maybe that science fiction is exploring uh, matters of prejudice or, or, or race or something like that, even though it's science fiction, which mm-hmm. is which isn't the same thing as a whole book about two people fighting in the spaceship and shooting laser beams and blah, blah, blah. So if those types of things and fantasy is doing the same thing right now too, you know what I mean? And and, and horror has been doing it for a while. I mean, there's a gigantic difference between the ghost spiritual horror novel and the psychological horror novel. Yes. Where the monsters are in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. the, The monsters are in your mind. They're not in the basement, that sort of thing. So why shouldn't it be, that we have like psychological books and romance books and, and these sort of a adult fair where mm-hmm. now they also branch off into different uh, categories and groups because that's what's happening as people are becoming more, more creative and they're blending different ideas together. Yes. I think that's a good idea because well, life happens, you know, <laughs> Every, everything like there's uh, romance in life there's drama there and it's all deals with psychology at the same time and some unfortunately there are some aspects of horror it depends how you look at it you know and it's a perspective of people the way they see the way they react and the way they reproduce it yeah it just it just depends also on, on how someone wants to take something so I think mm-hmm. sometimes writers they get 
probably bored with the categories and then they try to branch off themselves and i'm sure the publishing company is probably like oh no not again but <laughs> if you can create something different that that's going to attract people's attention and they also might get bored with some of these categories well, then why not and it's, it takes this to the advantage to everybody the publisher the reader and, and the writer because i mean how can how can we read the Fifty thousandth version of 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 a love story without mm -hmm. it having anything new or, or creative involved. I mean, it's right. just, that that probably gets to be very tiresome. Right. Yes, I I agree. And honestly, sometimes I do feel it uh, feel that way too when I'm reading. And uh, when I started writing this novel, my uh, first well, I don't want to say first rule or anything, but uh, one thing that uh, came up to my mind was. I want to write something that I want to read myself. And it, that sounds a little selfish, but if I try to put on into this story things that I would miss in other books, and other, and I love murder mysteries and things like that, but <clears throat> like I would like to read certain other aspects or, or, as you said, branches into that story. So I just started creating this little life, and... I try to be more realistic because if it's a horror or if it's a romance or if it's a psychological drama, all of these things can happen. And if you look at the novel as a life of somebody or this particular couple, everything is possible. And you know how people live their lives. A lot of uh, unfortunate events happen. A lot of horror, as we can look at it like that, happens. A lot of a misfortune happens, a lot of love happens, and a lot of drama happens. So why not to have it all in the, in this particular book? I know that's how I started looking at it, and it just uh, led me chapter after chapter. It makes it makes great sense to me, and and, and not to correct you, but I don't think that um, it's selfish to want to see certain things in the book that you're writing that you would like, that you wouldn't mind to read. I, I happen to think that that's actually not selfish because in many ways it, that allows the reader to now get something a lot more interesting and passionate because now the writer isn't just going through the motions. They're putting some of, of their self in there, something that they value. So therefore, they're transmitting something that's extra special. So I, I, I think that, that that's actually a very good way of doing things. And sometimes the best projects from writers or the ones that have something uh, of an intrinsic value to the, to the writer. Yes. Yes, thank you. I, I I agree. Yes. I don't know if you ever read Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. I haven't read that one, but I've read uh, several other ones. I was looking forward to watch it though, but I don't know. I well, guess I'm not there yet. <laughs> well, let me let me tell you something in a nutshell, okay? Uh -huh. I, I'm not a gigantic fan of Stephen King. But that book is probably one of the best books that he's ever done. And it's been many years yeah. since he wrote that. And here's the reason why, okay? Mm -hmm. Stephen King, for the first time in this novel, put himself and his family in this position. And that's what makes it so, so strong uh, oh, to, wow. to, to, to find your child being killed by accident. And then you're so distraught and you're so desperate that you hear about a place that maybe you can bury the child and the child can come back to you alive because oh, wow. you want that child back in your life. Not only is that spooky and scary, 
it's a very apparent thing to do uh, and in many ways a loving thing to do even though it doesn't turn out great unfortunately yes but, but still it's a loving thing it's an act of love so that makes that a very special book i think his probably my my opinion his best book in many ways mm. his scariest book because it's something that could happen in, in real life that somebody would that could happen to and maybe they want to try to do something like that and that yeah that, i don't that doubt makes it, that yeah. that makes it that makes it powerful so he did that because usually his books, a dog kills people, a car runs over people, blah, blah, blah. You know he wasn't putting himself in that. Who cares about the car or the dog? But mm -hmm. you, you care about your child. And it makes mm -hmm. a gigantic difference. So if you read Cujo, the stupid dog book, or Christine, mm -hmm. the stupid car book, it's nothing mm -hmm. like Pet Cemetery. It's just a, a million miles away, and it makes a big difference, a big difference. Oh, wow. I'm looking forward to read it now even more. Thank you for sharing this with me. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty uh, it's pretty darn impressive. They they okay. haven't done much with the with the movies, so I don't even waste the time watching the movie on the book because yeah, I usually they, try they, to... they ruin it. But the book is really? great. Yeah, uh, I I try usually to read the book and to make my own movie in my head, you know, as I go with the pages, and then watch the movie if there is one. So, but I I. As as a rule, you know, I've always been disappointed with the movie. <laughs> yeah, well, this one be disappointing too. So don't even watch it. It just ruins. okay. Yeah, the book the book actually has heart. The movies are just stupid. Um, <laughs> it, I guess it's like a condensed version of uh, the book. They just has... they took the heart out of it. You don't you don't have to. You, you can condense things all day long, but if you lose the heart on the story, um, then it's just a story about a weird dude trying to get his kid back to life and doing some hocus pocus. And the, the whole thing is becomes dumb then because the book oh, makes it really, really apparent that this is not a horror story. This is about a man who's gone through the horror of his child dying and he's trying to figure out a way to bring the child back. Not I realizing that, that those sort of things have consequences, you know, in the spiritual world. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and that's what it is. And that makes it a very beautiful book. But unfortunately, Hollywood sometimes can ruin things. Yeah, media does it. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing this with me. Oh, no, not a problem. It's, it, it, it's some, sometimes the best books are, are, are done by people who put something of themselves in, inside of it. It's not just a, mm -hmm. you know, a story about this or about that. Because sometimes you could tell a difference. And I know, mm -hmm. I know. In the case, in the case of Stephen King, if you read Pet Cemetery and then you read any of his other books, you'll notice a gigantic difference. You'll feel it. Oh. You can literally feel it. This is just a guy talking about some stupid dog, whatever, versus uh -huh. you know, versus uh, something something that happens uh, to a, a person's family and, and how they right. react, how they react to it. So that's a that's a that's a big difference. And and, and I think readers sometimes they they want more of that. Um, I, I think so too. Even if it's supposed to be an escape vehicle, oh, I just want to do this because I'm trying to get away from my life a little bit. Mm -hmm. Sure, that's all great, but sometimes getting you away from your life doesn't mean that you need to be on planet Pluto with purple people and everybody's shooting laser beams at each other. You you can yeah. go you can go to any American city and see that for free. <laughs> you, don't right. need a, you don't need a book. <laughs> so uh, it's sometimes better for people to have something that at least seems real. Because that that has a deeper connection, and then me, in, in a way, it, it kind of gives them a, a soothing feeling too. Yeah, I think so too. Yes, I think introspection. You know, it's like a catharsis through reading. 
I yeah. believe that. Yeah, because sometimes it's a catharsis to writing for some of the people that put something in there. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it could be the same way from from reading it. You know, if it's if it's done if it's done right. So when do you? Um, I don't mean to put a deadline. I just it's just a general question. But when do you generally think you'll be done with the novel? Honestly, I do need the deadline because it makes <laughs> me work faster. But I I truly hope by the end of this year. I truly hope. If not, probably upcoming spring. Gotcha. Well, that's not too far away. Okay, good. <laughs> Hopefully, we can have another show next year. Maybe we could talk about that and. You know all the all your trials and, and tribulations through all of that because that's a that's a that's a big uh, undertaking whenever you want to put a novel out there and all the stuff here. But those are, those are the two things that I would keep you in uh, to remind you, like I remind everybody else who uh-huh. has a book out there, especially if it's a novel, it, is the two things you have to be prepared for is they want you to have a marketing plan. So it's really important. Right. It's really important that whatever you're doing out there to start getting a site built with your name on it talking a little bit about your book even if it's not ready yet just give a little sample of it people start gathering people's names contacts friends lists you know emails whatever you can uh-huh. and, and, and you know so that's something you can launch from you know as well and because mm-hmm. um, they're going to ask they're, they're, you would not believe the stuff they ask do you have do you have a website do you have a social media presence you mm-hmm. should be on at least three of them you know at least facebook linkedin and and Twitter, at least. Sometimes people do Instagram if they got a lot of different art or photos. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to want to know that. And, and obviously, they want to generally know about the book and, and where you think it could be replaced, you know, in the in the various categories. So right, just make is... sure make sure you have a, that plan uh, already on paper and ready to go. Because I'm sorry to say that if you don't, uh, mm-hmm. the, the chances are they won't even get a chance to read your book because they're, they're like, she doesn't know what category it's supposed to be, and she doesn't have a marketing right. plan. Uh, we need to look at the next person who sent us the book, and that's what they'll do. Right, that makes sense. Thank you. So if Thank you, ha- you so much. If you much. have that, then they, they, they'll take you a lot more seriously. And to be honest with you, even if you come, if you don't come up with the greatest category or blended mm-hmm. blended category, and even if your marketing plan isn't the, the world's uh, finest, at least they get onto the stage of reading your book, and then maybe that can convince them, and then you can kind of go from there. But they'll never get to the book until they get to that other stuff first that's just mm. and, that, and that not be fair but that's the way the world works now in po in in, in publishing they simply mm-hmm. they, they're not going to read the book and say oh okay what's our plan it just doesn't work that way they got too many things coming in so they want to see who's business ready more than anything else and if you think about it mm-hmm. those those two questions where does this book place in people's lives and what is her marketing plan they're business questions they're not artistic questions at all that's true. But they're yes. a bi- they're a business. They're show business. They're not show writing. They're not <laughs> right. They're not, so <laughs> you have to keep that in mind. Those business questions are, are what they need to have answered for them to to hand it over to somebody else to check out. Mhm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you very much for this valuable advice. I will definitely take it. Not 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 a problem. It, it'll 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 do you good down the line there. And uh, I I noticed that you had a um a, a site. Uh, was it helping hands? A handful of happiness. A handful of happiness. That's it. Uh-huh. And a handful of happiness. I I checked it out. I'm not always good with names. Sorry about that. But I did, <laughs> I did check it out. So I noticed that um it had like uh, recipes and it had some stuff to do with the home. And then of course it mentioned your book in the back there as well. So uh-huh. if you want to talk a little bit about that, because obviously that's another useful thing that you possibly could use down the line 
as a marketing strategy for yourself, you know, in, in your other book, because you got the one on there. Who says you can't have another? Yes, yeah, I would love to talk about that as well. And um, this website, Handful of Happiness, uh, started a long time ago, but I really didn't do much on it until recently. And um, because as I started with one idea, it ends up being something else. It, that's the reason why I had uh, such a big break in developing it. But I think now I have the clear picture what I want to do with it or in it. And um, it's, uh, I, if, I don't know if you've noticed, but there are more uh, logs in a life uh, style and um, self-improvement section of it. And it's, again, I just like to walk with people throughout my life and uh, express how I grow how my life experiences make me become who I am and why I view things the way I didn't before. It's um, something like that. And uh, in future, I also would like to share my art in the same website, um, but that's, that's in a not, not so nearest future, but it is still coming. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that makes, uh, makes sense. Uh, I know you got some lifestyle stuff there. You had some, uh, I think, some cooking and recipes, mm -hmm. and that, mm -hmm. that's that's great. And then you got the writing as well. So yeah, I, I think it's a, a a good a good first step on on, on trying to uh, put all the stuff that you're interested out there. But then still make sure you you include the writing, and you did. So that's great. Yes, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I'm trying to become more active on um, in this journey. So let's see. I don't know where it will lead me, but I'm excited for it. Well, I definitely like it. If you do get some time, you know, definitely look into trying to get uh, your own site out apart from that one that just strictly is uh -huh. about your writing and your creative endeavors, oh. that sort of thing. So it's always good to have an author site. The one, okay. you, the one you have right now, it, you know, it has the book in there. It's really nice. But it, it, it's it's a lifestyle site. It's not really an author site. It just happens right. to have a, it just happens to have a product, you know, called that you know that book, Time to Sleep. Uh -huh. and, and don't don't get me wrong. You can add other books in it too. But you better always to have a, an author site as well. Okay. Yes, I I I've been thinking about that, but I I wasn't sure if I'm ready for it or how to start. So I started with social media naturally, and um, I probably will develop it into something bigger soon yeah you just get a um you just get a, a site together and it'll just you know you can put in a couple of sections that maybe have a poem or a short story or something about mm -hmm. this book or you know just just stuff in general about what you're doing uh, where you can buy that book at you know you can also put excerpts of the book you're making you know you're writing right now hey this is coming out and this is what i'm working on at the moment it, it gets people interested it gets people involved to get your name out there yeah. You know, and, and that that's important because uh, again, that's another thing you can point to, and you have a marketing plan. Hey, I got a lifestyle site. I got a writing site. You know, that's true. I'm on yes. this. I'm on this social media. I'm on that. Blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. So, because they want you to have some kind of a footprint out there, and that, yeah, that's, that's a well, good that's my. <laughs> it is. It is, and that's. I think that's my biggest challenge because I am uh, not very good at uh, self promoting, but I'm learning slowly. You know, with baby steps. Yeah, I, I'll do it. I, I like it. So I was happy to, to see that. Sometimes uh, writers are out there doing so much, and they do so much, 
and then mm-hmm. they, they forget that they should have a, 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 a place of their own, a, 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 mm-hmm. a digital platform that, that talks a little bit about them. Right. You know, this yeah. is what I'm doing. You know, I, I got a lot of people that are doing so much. I'm like, this would be a good way to organize. I know a writer that literally is out there every week doing a book signing or doing a, mm. read, doing a reading, doing an art festival, doing something. I'm like, wouldn't it be great if you had a site where you could put all the stuff on there? Mm-hmm. They, That's they, true. They go yes. check it out. Oh, he's over here. Oh, he's doing that. He's doing that. Da 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 da. da. It's it's better that way in terms of not only organization, but it's also better. I I feel as a historical sort of document that when you right. do when you do go to a future a, a publisher and you could say, hey, check that out. This is all the stuff I've been doing, and people are that, oh, reading and right. commenting yeah. everything, so they get the they get to hear and they see that. Hey, I love that excerpt from that book. Can't wait for it mm-hmm. to come out. It'd be nice to hear that a couple of times on that because they read that and like, yeah, we got a publisher. She's got people that like it and it's not even published yet. So that sort of thing is uh, a, a good way. I know a lady that um, she has a series now of, of they're, they're the classic type of romance novels, okay? But um, mm-hmm. what she did was she, she built a site and, and she put it on the social media and invited all these different people and put some experts. She even put some of the so the, the, the future book covers on it as well. And huh. built, she built the audience that way a year before the books even came out. Oh, wow. So when it oh, came out, she, had a, she was able to email and text people. Yeah, they're out. Check it out. Blah, blah, blah. Huh, so, that's great. Yeah, that's what she, that's what she yes. did. She spent the time doing that, you know, as well as working on the, uh, and the books because she understood that building any kind of audience is mm-hmm. not is not only necessary for the book, it's necessary for the publisher because they're like, wow, this person is like a year in advance. Mm-hmm. It's hard for them not to take you serious because they already know that you're taking it serious. Right. That's absolutely correct. And uh, I'm sorry to say <laughs> that in the end, your book might beat out somebody else's book to get published just because you had the plan and they didn't. That's just the oh. way. That's just the way the world works, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Oh, absolutely true. When you, you know, when you're new in it, all these steps, you just don't know where to start. It just feels big and messy. I understand. But when, yeah, and then I'm very thankful that you are here to guide me. And this, all of the advice that you gave me is very valuable and i'm definitely going to take well, them we got a lot of shows on all kinds of different subjects uh-huh. that are that are bark logged here so you can listen to them anytime you want <laughs> and of course you can always email me whatever if you have a direct question or whatever and we'll do whatever uh-huh. we can to find out and, and help you because that's what we're supposed to be here for is for the writers so definitely don't be shy yes, about thank that you. but you thank what, you very you, much what you don't want to do is you, you don't want to to guess on something that could be that critical that's true Yes, absolutely. Because then it'll look like you didn't do any kind of homework at all. And that's what you don't want to look at when you're going before a publisher. You don't want to look like you're not prepared. Mm-hmm. That is true. Yes, it's like a job interview, basically. Uh, unfortunately, it is because it used to be in the past mm-hmm. uh, because there wasn't as many writers or maybe this wasn't as many people that were willing to do the, the work necessary sure. to put together a novel that you can submit this and mm-hmm. the publisher maybe has 10 or 20 books over there and they could literally spend the time doing them all to see which is the best. But mm-hmm. now that's not the case anymore. They get hundreds of things coming in. So now you're not rated by how good book you're is. They're rated about, well, can this sell? And what is their plan to sell mm-hmm. it? That's what mm-hmm. you're rated by. 
So if you don't have those things in, in, in into place, uh, fair or no fair, uh, they're just not going to be interested. Right. Yes. Unfortunately, it's became more difficult because the market is a lot bigger now. It, it, it is. It is. It is bigger. But I, I think also it's just that for for them, many of the publishing houses, if you think about it, they have to compete mm -hmm. against the whole world of digital music and downloading mm -hmm. this and Netflix that and HBO this and movies that. When you think mm -hmm. about it, a, a book has to compete against all of that stuff. So a lot of these publishing houses, you know, they've they've pared down, you know, their interests to make themselves more financially viable. And part of that financial viability is trying to make sure that they're going to pick projects that are going to do decent. I mean, they know books... Not every book they publish is going to be a bestseller and is going to hit it out of the park. Right. But they cannot afford to put a book out there that actually loses money. So oh, they, I see. They, they have to have something that at least can, can get their money back in a little bit more. So mm -hmm. they, they're going to look at things in some kind of a, a business uh, uh, aspect. In fact, they have a strange question now that they ask beyond mm -hmm. just, you know, what category should it be in and what's your marketing plan. Sometimes, and I've seen this more and more now, sometimes they'll ask you, what book you think is similar to yours and that's that's done well? So now you got to go around oh. doing a research of, all right, what book oh, could this wow. be? Yeah, because it's almost like they're saying, oh, okay, really? Is your book similar to that and that's all well? Hey, maybe we should look at this. It's it's it's, it's strange, but unfortunately, uh, that's a more Hollywood approach to thing. If you know anything about mm -hmm. If you know anything about writing screenplays and submitting them, I can tell you this. One of the, mm -hmm. ver the very first question they ask you is, how is this movie that you wrote similar to other movies that did okay? That's literally the first thing they ask you. Mm. And, that makes sense, though, because, I mean, that's what the audience does. They compare. So they want to compare ahead of time, I guess. Yeah, but if you think about it, it, it it's not an artistic question. It's purely, mm. It's purely a business question. You know, it is. and I got to say yeah. something, you got to say something like, well, the the movie is, is sort of like Tales from the Hood mixed in with Twilight Zone. I mean, you, you literally got to say something that sounds that dumb. But to them, it's <laughs> like, oh, OK, I, I see your point now. Now I'm going to read it because if you don't tell them something like that, they won't even look at your script. So oh, wow. It's becoming more apparent now in books, too. They want you to try to see if, because you would think that that would be counter that would be counterproductive. Let me get this straight mm -hmm. here. I want to tell them that my book's similar to this book that sold well. But why the hell would they want the book then? Because it's it's too close to the other one. But no, they actually want it to be close to something. That's right. Because yeah, because they it, already have the audience for it. Yeah, they think that they think there's an audience for it then, and they think maybe that your chances will be increased. Now, don't get me wrong. This is a theory. Nobody knows if that's true or not. They don't even know. I mean, but. Again, they're the ones in charge. They get to set their rule, and that's a question sometimes you might be facing. So if you get a chance, try to look around and, and, and see if you can find something that might be similar. It Ooh. might not be exact because who, who's going to be you? You know what I mean? You're Jasmine. That's right, yes. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not, you're not Betty Boop or something. But nevertheless, mm -hmm. you Google some stuff and try to find some things that might be in the, in the general neighborhood because you, you have to have an answer for that as well. Yeah, I will. Thank you. No, no, yes, no thank problem. Do you, do you, uh, do you have any uh, uh, final words or anything else you wanted to add to the show as as we're about to leave? 
Final word, I do want to thank you for this wonderful opportunity. And uh, I have to confess, at first I was very nervous because I've never done this before. Yeah, it's pretty normal. And, <laughs> and um, I'm looking forward to uh, listening to many of your um, broad, uh, podcasts with different people. And it's definitely a wonderful thing for mm, new writers and authors who are new in the field. It's a great support and very educational. And um, I hope, yeah, I hope uh, people who are um, involved with this podcast, listeners or people who are making it, will have the great of luck and a wonderful year. And um, I definitely will come back as a as a listener and hopefully one time as a guest again. Yeah, that'd be great, and you're definitely welcome to do so. And uh, I didn't even hear any nervousness. I I told people all the time. <laughs> It, it, it'll, it'll go away because the show is not about trying to get people in trouble. We're not trying to ask you hard questions. It's about supporting the writer. you know. And then when they just talk about their lives like between two friends, it, it makes mm -hmm. the show. It makes it real. It makes it authentic. You know, I had a lady one time, and she's telling me, oh, I don't know if I could do this and blah, blah, blah. We get into the show, and I'm like, okay, we have to end it right now because when I started the show, I didn't have to shave. That's how long we were on. You know, so uh -huh. she was like perfectly fine because, again, all that stuff, it, it just drifts away and you get to talk about the things that you're supposed to be talking about and because uh, it's interesting. And, and that, that's why uh, people, they get they get trapped in fear for no good reason. Fear is so silly. Yes, it is silly. And it is something that destroys more than actually helps. But <laughs> and I like I like how our conversation led to different aspects and it's very educational. And I'm glad that I didn't come only here to share, but I also learned a lot from you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We, we learned a lot, too, about children, literature, about uh, the lessons of trying to see through the eyes of a child and maybe how we can keep children a little bit more uh, hopeful and, and faithful for the future. And, and I think those are, those are important lessons and, and things that we should contemplate and, and think about, uh, not only as individuals, but maybe as as a society. Because, you know, they say um, in, in different countries, well, uh, you could rate a country by how it treats its senior citizens or you can rate a country by how it treats its children. But in the end, mm -hmm. it's, it's really it's really about, well, you can just rate a culture about how it, it, it takes care of its people, no matter who they are young, old, young yes. old or whatever you know and i don't want to be a society and i love animals but i don't want to be a society <laughs> that's that wants to talk more about their cat than their kid because that that's a problem in my opinion it's not the right order of things i love the that cat true. i love yes, the cat but you know it, the cat has seven lives nine lives two years who, who knows it, it's not going to be around 100 years the cat's not really mm -hmm. going to change the world but the children might if we focus on them and not worry about the, the cats true. and the dogs and the lizards, you know? They'll, they'll be just fine. That is absolutely <laughs> true, yes. And I do think children are... Well, you know, the saying has been uh, probably as, as as old as the earth when children is our, our future. And when I say future generation, it's not me. It's not people who come after me. It's people who come way after that because it's the we have to prepare our children to prepare their children. It should be like an ongoing chain um, commitment. And if you want to change the world, as they say, it starts from yourself. You know, we change ourselves for our children to see the change and to, for them to pick it up, for them to give it forward. 
I like that. And that's excellent words to, to end this show here, folks. And don't forget uh, Jasmine, uh, uh, Jamian. And don't forget uh, the, the children's book, uh, Time to Sleep. Um, you can get that. It, it, it is on Amazon, right? It is not on Amazon. It's on my website, Handful okay. of that's Happiness. On, okay, Handful of Happiness. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Handful of Happiness. Hopefully one day it will be on Amazon and we can have some other folks check it out. But go to her, go to her site and, and definitely uh, check that out. Um, and if you uh, forget the name of that, that that's handfulofhappiness.com. Um, remember, you can just go back on the show and get the name of the site. So it's not like a, it's, it just passed you by. This is a recording. <laughs> you can get it then, okay? And it has it's also illustrated by her as well. So it makes it an extra special book that she wrote it. Uh, she loves her child and has the inspiration from that. And then she also did the, the drawings as well. That's 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 more than half of what I could do because I can't do any kind of drawing. So let's keep that in mind, folks. And, and hopefully we continue to get more and more authors out here that, that do interesting things like, like she is. She's got a novel coming out. Hopefully by the end of the, uh, this year or next year that she'll be done with. And we'll explore that further with her. Uh, until then, Jasmine, thank you very much for being uh, on the show. You have a great week and God bless. Thank you for having me. You too. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing, www.somapublishing.com.